Hallelujah. Um, we are going to continue from where we stopped last time in John chapter 5. And the title of our study today is Jesus Christ, the center of the Father's glory. Jesus Christ, the center of the Father's glory. Uh, let's read John chapter 5, verse 31 to 40. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Praise the Lord. Verse 33. You have sent to John, you have sent to John, and he has borne witness to truth. 34. Yet I do not receive the testimony of from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamb, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form, 38. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom, whom he sent, him you do not believe. 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Hallelujah. Are we together? Are we together? Yes. In the previous study, the last study that we had through chapter 5, uh, Jesus revealed himself as God, the, the, the life giver, or the giver of life, which is eternal life. And we studied in detail what eternal life is, and in detail what Jesus meant, and that eternal life begins now here, not when, when we die. Do we remember that? Yes. So, um, just going back a little bit, from chapter 1, uh, John, the author of this book, is revealing to us Jesus Christ as uh, the true life, the only true life, the only true light, and the only true love. And when we, and when we embrace or pursue him more, the person of Jesus Christ who encounter and share in his life, in his true life, and in his true light and in his true love. And by this we are transformed to become and manifest in peace. Praise the Lord. It is good to take down notes. Uh, if you have a book, please take down some notes, which is eternal life. So today let's pick it up from uh, verse 31 to 32. Uh, Jesus says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Hallelujah. So here in these verses, in these 10 verses, we are going to see the fourfold witnesses that show Jesus Christ as the center of God's glory. Okay? We are going to see the fourfold witnesses that show Jesus Christ as the center of God's glory. But first of all, Jesus had already given witness of himself. Okay? Jesus had already given witness of himself to the Pharisees, to the Jews, because they were asking him and questioning him. And we know that the reason as to why he performed the miracle at, at the pool was to reveal who he was. 
and so he had already revealed himself. Jesus, we know that Jesus is the internal word, okay? He's the internal word, he's the creative word, and he's the word that was made visible, okay? If you read John chapter 1, 1 to 3, in the beginning, before all time, was the word Christ, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. He was present originally with God, verse 3. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. Praise the Lord. So Jesus Christ is is the divine is that is the divine self-expression of all that God is, all that contains of God, and reveals in incarnated flesh. So when we see Jesus Christ, we see the Father. He's the self-expression of everything that God is and contains and reveals in the flesh. When you read Colossians chapter 1, verse, um, verse 15 to 17 and verse 19, the Bible says, now he, now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For it was in him, this is amplified, for it was in him that all things were created in heaven and on earth, things seen and things unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him by his service, intervention and in and for him, praise the Lord. Verse 17, and he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist or co cohere and are held together. 19. For it, it, it has pleased, now I love this one, it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, the sum total of divine perfection and powers, and attributes should dwell in him permanently. Hallelujah. Should dwell in Christ permanently. Just, just as we express ourselves in words, okay? I, I just love this. This is so powerful. Just as we express ourselves in words, God has perfectly expressed himself in Christ. Let me say that again. Just as we express ourselves in words, God has perfectly expressed himself in Christ. He has full participation in every attribute of diet held together by God the Father. Which brings us to this place that Jesus Christ is God. He existed internally as a separate individual, but essentially the same and one with the Father. Okay, all together. So he, he existed eternally as part of the Trinity, and he's still existing even today as part of the Trinity. He had no beginning. Jesus had no beginning. If you read Genesis, in the beginning, before the beginning, Jesus was, and even God, the Trinity was, because God is one, but in three persons. So Jesus Christ is one with the Father. This is what he's telling to the Pharisees. This is who I am. So all things happened because of Jesus, as we have read in Colossians. Nothing happened without Christ. Everything happened because of Jesus. Even you, you happen, you are living because of Jesus. Nothing happened or happens apart from him. Everything was given in his hand of power. Everything is in his hand. Hallelujah. Oh, how I love Jesus. He's so beautiful. Hebrews 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. I'm reading the TPT version. 
Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Oh, I love Jesus. Throughout our history, God spoke, sorry, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. Verse 2. But to us, you say, but to us, let's read together, living in these days, in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son, <laughs> the appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the language of the Father. Mm. You remember what I said, that the way we express ourselves through words. God the Father expresses himself in the language of the Son. So Jesus Christ is the language of the Father. He is the language that the Father speaks and understands only. <laughs> He's the language that the Father speaks and understands only. We also have to learn to speak the same language in order to commune with the Father. If you speak any other language apart from Christ, the Father will not listen. He will not understand. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is possible when we are intimately with Jesus and allowed to share in Calvary and be crucified with him like Paul. Like Paul says in Galatians 2.20, so that we cease to live, but now let the Son of God live in and through us by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The voice that speaks in the person that is living or alive. Yeah? Jesus Christ is the voice that speaks in the person that is living. When he's living in a person, he is the voice that will speak. He's the voice that will speak to the Father. He's the voice that will pray to the Father. He is the voice that will worship to the Father. Hallelujah. For it is it is Jesus who is living in us, who is living in you. He has you have to come to that place where it you no longer live, but now it is Christ that is alive in you. Because it's the only language that can commune with the Father. Hallelujah. It is the only language that you should speak. It is the only language that can be understood by the Father. So this language, Christ Jesus, has no doubt, has no failure, has no shadow of turning back. He is the language of glory and the supernatural life. <laughs> Hallelujah. We knew Jesus Christ just as a person, but now he is also a language. He's our language that we speak, that we speak to one another. When the Bible tells us to sing to one another in hymns, spiritual songs, we have to sing Christ. When you sing Christ, you're speaking the language of heaven. <laughs> you're speaking the language of glory, the language that the Father understands. So anything outside that, you're on your own. You're on your own. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go to verse 3 of Hebrews 1. <laughs> I was explaining verse 2 of Hebrews 1. Verse 3. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. 
He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one, who is the Father. Hallelujah. The Son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the glory of the Father. He's not just the language, but he's also the image of the glory of the Father. He reflects the glory of the Father to us. You know how you're, you're in a mirror and you see a reflection of yourself? So the reflection of the Father is Jesus Christ unto us. When we want to see the Father of glory, we see Christ revealed, and then we can see the Father of glory. Hallelujah. If, if we want to see and behold the glory of the Father, we have to gaze upon the Son. Okay? Gaze upon the Son. Stay focused. Let your eyes be single only on the sun, only on the bridegroom. If we gaze upon the sun, then we shall behold the glory of the Father. When we behold the beauty of the sun, we are beholding the glory of the Father. When we when, when we glorify the Son, we are glorifying the Father. The Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. And we too have been made one with both the Father and the Son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let me repeat. The Father is in the Son. And the Son is in the Father. We too have been made one with both the Father and the Son. And that means we share in the glory and beauty. Now, when we talk about beauty, beauty is also the goodness of God. God's goodness is his beauty. So we share in that. We share in the beauty of the Father. We share in the goodness of the Father and the Son. How? Through or by the purification from our sin by his atonement on the cross. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, let me try to find you. Let me repeat. If we want to see and behold the glory of the Father, we gaze upon the sun. When we behold the beauty of the sun, we are beholding the glory of the Father. When we glorify the sun, <laughs> we glorify the, the Father. So the Father is in the sun, and the sun is in the Father. And we too have been made one with both the Father and the Son. Therefore, we share in the glory and the beauty of the Father. And I said the beauty is also the goodness of God. So we share in the, in the glory and the beauty of the Father and the Son by the purification from our sin, by his atonement on the cross. Oh, hallelujah. What? You guys, are you understanding? Are you understanding where we are? Are you understanding your position in the Father and in the Son? <laughs> so what makes us shake? What makes us tremble? What makes us fear? What makes us lose hope? I mean, how can you be in the Father and in the Son, in his goodness, in his glory? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know how things are going to be. Oh my God, come on, lift your eyes above every situation and gaze upon the sun so that you can behold the glory of the Father where you belong. <laughs> this is made evident and real to us through an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hmm? It is not possible without the Holy Spirit. 
It is the Holy Spirit, Him who reveals and makes all this a reality to us. So we have to have a deep intimacy with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So let's let's move on. Let's move on to, to the next verses of John chapter 5. Uh, before we go to verse 33. In the Jewish culture, only two witnesses were required to provide adequate testimony during a trial. But here we see Jesus provided four witnesses for himself. That is double amount required. He provided four witnesses to prove that his testimony is true. He is God. So from verse 33, we are going to see the fourfold witnesses. So verse 33 to 34. Hallelujah. Are we following up together? So we've been looking at the testimony that Jesus gave of himself. Now we are going to look at the, the, the first witness apart from Jesus Christ himself. Verse 33, you have sent, you have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. Not that. He's saying these things so that you may be saved, so that the Pharisees can be saved, so that even us today, we may be saved. We may believe and be saved. Hallelujah. Thirty-five, verse thirty-five. John the Baptist. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. So the first witness is John the Baptist. The first witness that Jesus presents, if he was in court, the first witness, John the Baptist, whose ministry was to prepare the way for the Messiah, prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And he also bears witness of him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you read John chapter 1, verse 29, praise the Lord. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was publicly washed and proven to be without blemish, ready to become the sacrifice of all our sins. That's what John was witnessing. And we know that the Lamb of God broke sin's grip from us, took both its guilt and power from us who believe. Mm. Hallelujah. The Lamb of God, he took away our sin. He takes away our sin. How? He became the sacrifice. The sacrifice that was blemish, that was without blemish. <laughs> that was proven to be perfect. How did what did she do? He broke sin's grip from us. When he took both our guilt, its guilt and power from us who believe. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus said, these things that these things that John said, he said them that we may know the Messiah, and by knowing the Messiah, that we may be saved. And he's saying that something this morning, he's teaching us this so that we may know the Messiah. Knowing the Messiah is not going to church. Knowing the Messiah is not confessing Jesus, no. Knowing the Messiah is experiential. It is experiential knowledge. Praise the Lord. And it is the only way to salvation. There's not any other way to the true and only life. There's no any other way to the true and only light. There is no any other way to the true and only love. Praise the Lord. Verse 36. Praise the Lord. I'm trying to summarize. Verse 36. <laughs> but I have a greater witness 
that joins. For the works which the Father has given to me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. The second witness is the works Jesus performed. Witness number one, John the Baptist. Witness number two, the works Jesus performed. So these works consisted of his teaching, healings, and miracles that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. Hallelujah. Yes, uh, these works consisted, the teachings, the healings, the miracles Jesus performed during his earthly ministry. All those works proclaimed the fact of who Jesus is. Praise the Lord. I, I love this. I love this so much. In the same way today, our Lord's teachings, healings, miracles, are to point us to Jesus Christ, not putting our focus or our attention somewhere else. Okay? All the healings, all the miracles, all the things that he's doing, the power of God that we are witnessing in our midst and in the body of Christ, it is to point us to Jesus Christ, not to the man of God, not to the to the miracle itself. These days we see people when they receive miracles, they are going to talk about the miracle for two hours. Yet in the book of Acts, when, when a miracle was performed, for example, the miracle of, um, of the man that was healed at the beautiful gate, Peter does not even talk about that miracle, but it was, it was a platform for him to preach Jesus. So miracles, healings, the power of God should provide a platform for us to point people to Christ to point people to the, to the giver of life. Because miracles are not life. Healings are not life, no. The power of God being evident, that is not life. Jesus Christ is life. Praise the Lord. So this should point us to Jesus that we may love him more passionately, seek him more, to know him more, this should steer, should stir and awaken our hearts to deeper intimacy with the lover of our souls. Let me give an illustration. When a husband buys something very special or does something very special for the wife, this makes them love each other more and gets more closer to each other. The wife doesn't take her attention away from the husband to the thing that the husband has done that would be it would make no sense but that's what we are doing to god he does for us things he gives us gifts he performs all these miracles and we take away our eyes from him and we focus on the things that he's doing yet we are supposed to to focus on him so it it applies to our bridegroom as well like in any other relationship when good things are done, when special things are done, when surprises are done, they are to draw us more closer and more intimately with the person, not with the thing, but with the person. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus Christ today, he's asking, he's asking us, because he deserves our love. He deserves our affection. He deserves our attention. He deserves our devotion. He deserves our faith. He deserves our obedience. He deserves our submission. He deserves our time. He deserves our everything. Because he has performed so much, too much, that everything speaks of him. But he wants us to take away the focus 
from the things, the miracles, the healings, and put them on the person of Jesus Christ. As he has been teaching us that there is a difference between the gifts and the person. You cannot focus on the gift. That means, I normally give an example that, that means you're a baby. You know, it's a baby who, who gets like, you've brought maybe something and then they put their focus on that thing and they even forget that you're there. But if you're truly a maturing Christian and a growing Christian, you have to, it is time to awake from that. It's, it's time to awake from seeking miracles, seeking healings, seeking anointings, and seek the person of Jesus Christ. And seek Jesus, our bridegroom. He's calling us to intimacy. He's calling us to know him. He, he's revealing himself to us in greater measures. He's, he's, he has poured out his Holy Spirit in greater and greater measures in these last days. The glory is so greater and he has opened up because he's preparing his bride. He's coming back to take his bride. But how is it that his bride now wants to take the attention from the bridegroom to the little things? I call them little things. They're just things. They're just things. They are not a person. Our relationship is to a person not to things, to a person. If you truly love Jesus, if you have truly given your life to Jesus, then it is time now to pursue a relationship with Jesus, not with the gifts, not with the things that he's doing, not with your ministry, not with your callings, but with the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 37. We go to the next witness. Okay? So the works speak of Christ. 37, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. So the third witness, witness number one, John the Baptist. Witness number two, the works. Witness number three, the Father. Hallelujah. The Father is witness number three. Now, after pointing to his miracles and his works that speak of him, we know that this, how when did the when did when did the Father witness of the Son? We know at the time of Jesus' baptism, uh, when you read Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, and even the other gospels. The Father spoke, the Bible says, the voice spoke from heaven that this is my beloved Son of whom I am pleased, in whom I am pleased. And this heavenly voice confirms the identity of Jesus as the Messiah. This, this heavenly voice of the Father confirms the identity of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Hallelujah. And, and by the way, I, I love I love it that there's nothing that 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 is spoken that is not in the word. This just uh, God the Father was quoting Psalms 2:27 and Isaiah 42:7 when he said, "This is my son, in whom I am pleased." You can read for us Psalms 2:7. Let's just read that one. Psalms 2:7. I will reveal the eternal purpose of God. He has declared, He has decreed over me, You are my favorite son. And as your father, I have crowned you as my king eternally. Today, I became your father. Hallelujah. King James brings it out very well, but that is also speaking of the same thing. Praise the Lord. So the father publicly stated that Jesus was the long-awaited and much-loved son, the Christ. Let me repeat that. The father publicly stated, and he's stating it even now, because 
Jesus Christ is his language. <laughs> that Jesus was the long-awaited and much-loved son, the Christ. And even today, this afternoon, the Father continues to publicly affirm Jesus Christ as his beloved son and the Messiah, through whom all mankind can be saved. Hallelujah. There is no, as Act says, there is no salvation in any other name given upon the earth, apart from the name of Christ, apart from Jesus the Messiah. Hallelujah. I told you today my, my sermon is very short. Verse 38 to verse 40. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. So, witness number four. Number one is? Number two, the works. The works. The works, yes. Uh -huh. Number three, the five. Number four, the scriptures. Or you'd call it the law by then. The law. So the Pharisees were experts in the law of Moses. They were thoroughly trained regarding the many prophecies of the coming Messiah. Yet, they did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. That is so sad. They were very trained. They read about the coming Messiah, but they could not recognize the Messiah. You know how we are in church today? We have read scriptures, we have, but we cannot even recognize him when he comes. We cannot recognize him when he speaks. Praise the Lord. But this is a season of awakening. God is awakening his church. He's awakening his bride. He's awakening us not to be like the Pharisees. He's awakening us so that we can recognize and not miss out our day of visitation, our season. <laughs> So this is why Jesus concludes his response to the Jewish leaders or to the Jewish leaders with these words. All scripture right from Genesis to Revelation points to Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he desires that we hear, see, and perceive him. Okay, let, let me take it slow there. Let me take it slow. All scripture from Genesis to Revelation points to Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he desires that we hear, we see, that is perceiving him. He desires that we touch him. He desires that we obey him and believe in him. How is it that you don't know the voice of your bridegroom? How is it that you don't know the touch of your bridegroom? How is it that you cannot even recognize your bridegroom? How is it that you cannot even obey or even believe in anything that he tells you? <gasps> Praise the Lord. It is sad. We need to awake. We need, we need to work on ourselves. It is not that he doesn't reveal himself to us. But it's up to us, as he, as he was telling us this morning, come along with me, my bride. Come along. He was calling us when we were praying. He was calling us. I said, come along with me, my bride. Come along with me. Awake. Come along with me. He wants us to know his touch. He wants us to know his voice. He wants us to know him, to see him, to touch him, to know his touch. Oh my 
God. He wants us to believe. He wants us to obey in all things and trust him completely. Cast yourself on him and trust him completely. He desires of that. Praise the Lord. Not to be like the Pharisees. They missed out. They missed out their day of visitation. It's not enough to know about God. We have heard sermons about God. We have read things about God, booklets, Bible. If that is not enough, you have to come into a relationship with him for yourself. All those things cannot replace cultivating the relationship. They cannot. There's no any other way. It is the only way to obtain salvation. It's the only way to obtain life. It's the only way to walk in the light. It's the only way to live a life of love. It's the only way. And while we are studying scripture, because studying scripture is great, but it cannot substitute the real cultivation of our relationship with Jesus. Okay. Knowing, for example, if, if I'm in a relationship, or okay, let me give an example of married people. If, if knowing things about your husband does not replace you spending time with him, uh, you know, cultivating that relationship and intimacy with your partner, it cannot replace it because everyone knows things about people, but there's a difference. That's why Jesus does not want fans. He wants yeah? he wants disciples. He doesn't want fans. He wants disciples. Because being a fan, you know about this person. You know where they stay, what cars they like, you know, you know all these things that you read about them. But you have you don't have a personal encounter. You you just hear news. So God is tired of of his bride being like that, hearing news, hmm? news. Hey, Jesus was here. Uh, the last time we had evangelism, I, I talked to a group of teenagers, and in them there were these Muslim, there were two Muslim boys, they were so rooted in, in the Islamic faith. They had questions. I looked at them and I was challenged. I'm like, my children have to be rooted in the faith in the faith in jesus christ like these boys but one thing they asked me i was telling them you know uh jesus spoke to me you know i saw jesus I said, you saw jesus jesus spoke to you then one said i also want jesus to speak to me i also want jesus to to, to i want to see him i want to see him so like i was so amazed at, the, at this little boy's faith some of us Christians, we don't even mind. We don't even care. But Jesus wants a relationship. He's tired of religion. He's tired of you knowing him through another person. Yeah? These things of going to prophets. Yeah? What is the Lord saying about me? What is the Lord saying about my business? What is the Lord saying? Oh my God, God can speak to you and that's what he wants. He wants you to learn to hear his voice. Because how can you be his sheep if you don't know his voice? Yet in his word, in John chapter 10, he says, My sheep know my voice. And they follow me. That means if you don't know his voice, you're not his sheep. And God is gathering his sheep. Now, in these last days, in the greater harvest, he's gathering his sheep so that they can know his voice. He wants a relationship. He's tired of his bride being guilty all the time. You know, you, you, you miss you miss a time of maybe you set time to pray and then you miss it and then you live the whole day feeling guilty. That is not a relationship, that is religion. That is religion. If you miss an appointment that you had with your husband, you're not going to feel guilty all the time. You're going to talk about it, and that will be it. You're going to talk about it, tell him, I'm sorry, I missed, I missed this, and that is it. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. 
So Jesus is calling his bride to this place. He's calling us as a church to this place. Praise the Lord. So do we study God's word but miss his voice? Most of us read the Bible. We study the Bible but miss his voice. For me, you know, there's a question I, I, I love asking people. And I think my, my people know it. I normally tell, ask them, what is God saying? And to my surprise, some people say, God is saying nothing. And I'm asking myself, if you're telling me you've been reading the word of God, you've been reading the word, you've been in the word, how can you say God is not saying anything? That means you're reading and studying the word, but missing his voice. Hmm? If you're reading the book of Genesis, are you missing his voice or are you hearing his voice? If you're studying through the book of Acts, are you hearing his voice or you're missing his voice? It's not about just reading the Bible and finishing It's about hearing his voice. Because his voice is our guide. His voice is our direction. Praise the Lord. His voice is the light unto our path. His voice is the truth. Because his voice is the revealed word, which is the truth that will set us free. The truth that will birth faith in us. So that means you can read the whole Bible. If you miss his voice, you'll never have faith. That's why I'm so surprised. I'm so surprised at some people. You're in the word, but you are worried. You're in the word, but you are doubting. That means you're missing God's voice. Because if you hear his voice, faith will arise. There is no way you're going to worry. There's no way you're going to doubt or live in unbelief. No, faith will arise in you. Praise the Lord. Our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus Christ, is with his word and it must awaken faith in us praise the lord awaken faith awaken love like you burn with love for your bridegroom you you want to be with him all the time you want to trust him all the time because because the more you cultivate, the more you are reminded of all these great things he has done in your life, the more you focus on, on his goodness, on his faithfulness. Like, there is no way. There is, like that song was singing. If he's able to, to dress the lilies, how? How can he not clothe me? If he's able to feed the birds, if he's able to, to, to keep them safe, how about me? Hey, the birds don't pray. <laughs> the birds don't seek him. The, the birds don't read the word. They don't have a relationship with him like I do. How about me? His bride? If you're a husband, you'll do anything to protect your wife and your family. And you think God cannot do that? That means you're missing out in your relationship with him. Because his voice will awaken all that in you. Praise the Lord. So that is the question we need to ask ourselves every time we open the word of God. Am I hearing the voice of God? Am I missing out the voice of God? We need to learn to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us in a fresh, a new way. Each time, <laughs> each time, we open our Bibles. Some of us, the Bible is boring because we don't hear God's voice. But when you hear God's voice, the Bible becomes sweet. Like, you, you, you can't miss a moment to, to just read and study the Word. Because you hear the voice of your bridegroom. And it is by the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus told us that he will not leave us as orphans, but he will give us the helper, the teacher. He's the one to teach us. He's the one to reveal to us the voice of the bridegroom. Ah, Kotaya, Basaya. 
Tibo Theater. Praise the Lord. So it doesn't matter how many scriptures you have in your head. It doesn't matter whether you read a hundred and a hundred scriptures. But we need God's Holy Spirit to speak to us that would grow deeper in relationship with our Savior and Lord. Praise the Lord. Because that's why Jesus is revealing himself to us. That's why he comes. He wants a relationship. And we know if, if, you're, if you're a woman, the Bible says submit to your husband. We, we, we have to submit to our bridegroom. And we can't submit if we don't know his voice. If we don't understand what he speaks, what he says. Praise the Lord. So, by the Holy Spirit. Remember, you have to ask. Hmm? I was sharing about ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Like the Lord just brought it. We normally use this scripture for physical material things, but it has nothing to do with physical material things. But it has everything to do with our relationship with our bridegroom. Everything. Praise the Lord. So it's then that we can hear what Jesus is saying. Some people get bored even in worship. Because they're not hearing the voice of the bridegroom. In prayer they get bored. Because they're not being carried by the Holy Spirit to the bridegroom. Because prayer is your moment with your bridegroom. Share your hearts, heart to heart, eye to eye, mouth to mouth. It's, it's the time when you tell him, kiss me with your divine spirit kiss. Yeah. Song of Solomon 1. Praise the Lord. So Jesus tells us that life, real life, the life that God intended humanity to live, is the life we find in him alone in jesus alone nowhere else there's no life in muhammad there's no life in mary there's no life in the in the matters the uganda matters <laughs> there's no life in buddha there's no life in joseph smith or i think the moment there's no life anywhere else apart from jesus christ there's no life in your pastor. There's no life in your prophet. There's no life in your apostle. There is no life in your evangelists. Life is in the sun. Even them, they are supposed to have life and find life in the sun, Jesus Christ alone. Praise the Lord. That is the end of our sharing today. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you're so sweet.